we're a community of talented, hardworking, amazing individuals without, you know, without all the things to show for it, mostly because we think God is punishing us and we don't think we're good enough. And if we switch that, we can, you know, shine outwardly and, and benefit from all the good that we have within ourselves and the community. The Halal Food Podcast by Halal Run, the number one guide to halal eating options in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Welcome. On our podcast, we feature inspiring and accomplished Muslims in the West from all backgrounds. We talk to them about their lives and about the halal places where they love to eat. On this episode, our guest is none other than Zahra Al-Jabri, a Muslim spiritual coach and life coach. She has a large presence on Instagram on two accounts. One is Practical Muslim, where she has over 24,000 followers. And the other one is Z for Zahra, where she has over 15,000 followers. She and her husband both do coaching for members of the Muslim community. Her story is inspiring, especially the tales of how she's impacted people's lives for the better. She talks to us about that today and also talks about some of the halal places that she's loved over her time in multiple cities in the U.S. So without any delay, we're going to jump over to the conversation. But if you like this episode, make sure to hit that like button. And we're live with Zara. Zara, assalamu alaikum, and thank you for joining us today. Walaikum salam. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, it's it's amazing to have you. So, Zara, let's let's jump right in. Uh, you know, tell us about sort of your your background and your career and how you became like a, a spiritual coach uh, for the Muslim community and beyond. Yes, yes. Um, so my background is that my parents are immigrants from Kenya. I grew up in Southern California, kind of that typical Muslim immigrant experience, went to Sunday school, was in public school, um, being, you know, the only Muslim and trying to understand who I was, you know, in American society. Um, and essentially, I kind of learned what I think many of us did was like, you know, the rules and the obligations and all about the faith in that way. And as I grew and, you know, I, I, I went to undergrad, I went to law school, I got married, I, you know, had my first children, I was working as an attorney um, and just trying to like keep going, you know, towards the American dream. And things were kind of not progressing as smoothly anymore. And I was kind of feeling like, what's going on here, God? Like, I'm doing all the things. I'm being the good Muslim girl. Like, why, you know, why is, why am I feeling any resistance now? I should just keep flowing like I have been flowing. And that's really what kind of triggered the start of my spiritual journey of really getting more into like the spirit of Islam and, and understanding um, more than just the rules that I actually had, I, I also needed to feel good about God and feel good about myself. And that um, when I learned that, when I began to appreciate how, why I didn't feel good about God, why I didn't feel good about myself was about my mindset and, you know, my heart set. And I shifted those things and everything changed for me in my life. Then I was like, oh my gosh, I need to share this with others. I need to explain this. I need to support other Muslims who may feel like I am doing everything by the book, right? I'm like living that textbook life. And yet I feel anxious and worried and stressed. And, you know, I don't feel like my prayers are coming and I see other people getting and I'm not, and I'm trying to be good and humble and nice and all of these things. And I, and, but internally it just feeling like 
you're on your own or you're left out or like God is neglecting you or is not happy with you or is punishing you, um, all of those things. So my work is to support Muslims to get out of that uh, out of that feeling place and into the good feeling place, which ends up allowing more things to flow. It's kind of a loose general summary. No, that that's awesome. Uh, and there's a lot in there I want to sort of follow up on. Uh, starting with, tell tell me about this attorney thing, because that's not really like played up that much in kind of like your online presence. So what what kind of attorney were you? Like what sort of practicing do you do? And like, how does that help or not help with what you're doing now? Yeah, so I, um, I did civil rights uh, work and I also had my own estate planning practice. So I worked for CARE, uh, the Council on American Islamic Relations. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, estate planning and being an attorney, right? You're basically you're um, meeting a person right in civil rights in a distressing moment that something bad has happened and they want to rectify that. So you're counseling and coaching them through a difficult moment in their life, how to get back on their feet. And same thing even around um, estate planning. You're talking to someone like, okay, let's plan for what could happen after you die. Where do you want your things to go? How do you want to leave your legacy? Um, You know, where what how do you want to allocate um, and be mindful. And again, it's coaching people to think about things. Like what I say about coaching is that it's the it's supporting people on how to think about things. For most of our life, we are taught what to think. You should. This is what you should think about history. This is what you should think about math. This is what you should think about politics. We're not taught how. How do I feel about that? Like uh, you're taught like, okay, this you know discriminatory incident happened to me. It's bad. I should fight back. But then how do you process that so that you can move on with your life? So you're not just stuck in that moment of, you know, my boss did this to me or they discriminated against me. So um, training as an attorney is really kind of a natural segue to be a coach because you're coaching and counseling people through the whole process. That makes total sense. So so take me take me from point A to point B right? or 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 like general time A to general time B. You you kind of had this realization of. I am, you know, going to, you know, like I'm going to take a slightly different path. I'm going to start down this path. How did you get from there to where you are today, right? With a bunch of clients and and a great online presence and a big following. And so how how did you how do you do that? Uh step by step. So the way that it first started um was I can't remember if I started a newsletter or a blog, but I was like, I'm just going to write my experience. And I wrote my first blog post, which was called Mindset First. It's still my number one read blog post. And it just explained like I need to I needed to change my mindset around my view of a law, that my view of a law needed to be positive, to think of a law as my loving, supportive cheerleader, my view of myself, that I am good, I am worthy. I'm deserving. I'm not like this messed up, flawed human being like, oh, my God, I've sinned so much. I've made so much mistakes. Like there's nothing I can't come back from. The inherent nature of any person is goodness because Allah created us good. Okay, so I'm good. God's on my side. And then my view of others, that others are either neutral or supportive and that anyone who comes towards you with, you know, any hate or negativity is more of a reflection of going on something going on with them than it is on you. So you can kind of trust the world and trust others that they will be, you know, receptive and supportive towards you. And I mean, you need, like, if you just think about those three things, like the way you're asking, how did I get from A to B? I had to have that mindset because I had started several businesses before that, that all flopped. 
because I was not in that mindset. I was like, God doesn't want me to succeed. I can't do this. I'm not good enough. I had a fashion uh, startup. Right. God doesn't want me to exceed. I can't do this. I'm not good, good enough. Who am I to be in fashion? And other people are not interested. They're doing it better. They don't want to support me, blah, blah, blah. And so that business flopped. So when I shifted my mindset and now you're just like, oh, your coaching business has grown. Well, God wants me to spread this message and let more people know about it. I am good. I don't have to be, you know, the most perfect Shekha to be able to tell people about spirituality. I can just be like, I'm just a regular girl, but these are the things that I learned. And that's good enough. Um, and that others are going to, you know, be open and receptive um, and appreciative or supportive or or neutral. And if they're they're not, that's OK. That's on them. And I don't need to take it personally. So that mindset allowed me to start. And that's funny. I'm telling you about the first blog post. That was the blog post. That's the foundation of the mindset. So I started I wrote that blog post um, or newsletter. And I started sending out a weekly newsletter with coaching notes just like that. Coaching note, coaching note. Um, and then it grew into um, an Instagram page. And then I offered free coaching and I coached people for free and then started offering paid coaching, developed the first program, the next program and just grew step by step. But each time I just tried, I just was focused on just that first next step in front of me. I was like, I don't know what else to do. I'm like, I know this needs to come out and I'm I know people. So I'm just going to send an email like I just did what was in front of me. I wasn't thinking, how can I build this huge business? Whereas before with like my modest fashion company, I was doing that. And that whole mindset all messed me up. When you try to jump, um, skip steps or be ahead of where you are, you just feel bad. You're like, I should already be there. But you have to start at the beginning. Absolutely. That's that's so well put. Is it, what's it Arthur Ashe who said, I, I can never get the quote right. He said, basically, you know, start with you where you are, use what you have, do what you can, right? And it was just sort of like, just get going, right? Don't don't worry about like the end outcome ten years from now. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean that that's amazing. So now you have a combination of you know, there's like there's there's almost like programs or products, right? Like the DOA program or a few other programs, which I'll ask you to speak about in a second. But you also do individual coaching as well. So tell us a, a little bit about kind of like the whole breadth of what you're up to right now, because it's all it's all really fascinating. And then, you know, there's there's programs on spirituality, on sort of like marriage and relationships, career and everything. So so tell us about kind of the full range. Yeah. So it started um, just myself coaching. Um, and then my husband got involved because we have a lot of these discussions. And I was like, you should. My husband's a teacher. Um, he started at his career in academia. So he's just like a natural teacher and such a good teacher. And I was like, you should help me and teach these concepts. Like you are really good at teaching and I'm really good at coaching. And together it's just a powerful combination. So um, my husband and I work together and then we have all of these different programs. So I started out doing individual one-on-one -on -one coaching. But from that experience, I noticed so many different themes, so many different, you know, uh, common hangups and, and hiccups around it. And so we created these coaching programs. And for the most part now, everyone goes through a coaching program and it's only people who have done, you know, uh, my coaching programs that I end up working with one-on-one -on -one because um, there's, a, there's a lot to undo, right? I talked about those three, those three mindsets, but there's so many layers to it and how it shows up to people. So in these coaching programs, why I'm walking you through how to shift uh, these different layers, giving you exercises, giving you 
um, you know, activities to do. You have, you know, email and voice note access to me to um, be able to, you know, get that, get my feedback. But you're going through the coaching program to kind of shift in that way. And then if you want to, after that, work with me one-on-one, that's how we do it. But yeah, the coaching programs is a program on du'a to, um, you know, most of us unconsciously learned kind of this idea that, yes, you can ask Allah for anything and Allah can do anything. But, you know, inshallah, you'll get it in Jannah. Like, oh, you want to have a multi-million dollar business? Inshallah, inshallah. But, you know, don't have too many hopes for this life. It's going to be saved for you for the next life. So in our coaching program, it's really looking at how that mentality has been such a disservice to the Muslim community and how you can have the mentality of like manifesting, realizing your dua now and telling you, explaining step by step how what it would take, what it would take to realize your dua now, because it takes something different than to be in the mindset of like, hopefully I'll get it later. Yeah, that's that's really amazing, right? I think I think the combination of uh, the two things you pointed to, right? The fact that our religion, and it's not that unique to Islam, but it's it's pretty prevalent in Islam, is that our uni- religion has a very well um, established and defined and 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 thorough jurisprudence, right? Fiqh um, and rules, right? And and at the same time, you're right. Like any religion, there's talk about you know there's a lot of focus on the eternal life and the afterlife, but people then jump to the kind of like mentality that you're talking about, which is like, okay, I got to follow the rules and it's the afterlife and not, you know, and they almost detach themselves from the spirituality that's at the, that's in my view, in many people's view, meant to be at the core of religion anyway. Right? Yes. Yes. It's like they're detaching themselves from this life. Like, well, this life's going to suck anyways, and I might not be able to make it anyways. So let me kind of just essentially give up right? Give up believing I can have good in this life because I'm just hoping for the future. But in that in that mindset, you're just making yourself miserable now. And it's just not a way to live. So you are uh, based in Southern California, but you, you made a detour on the, along the, I mean, you were in Southern California, then you went to Minnesota and came back, right? So, because there's a little bit of Minnesota on your online profile as well. So what what happened there? Like, how long were you there? What were you doing there? And when did you come back? Yeah. So I grew up in SoCal. Um, I'm when I met my husband, he was doing his graduate work in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. So when uh, we got married, I lived there with him for seven years. Then we actually moved to Manhattan for about four years. And then we moved back to California about four years ago. Got it. And what's been uh, what was your uh and so you've lived in three places they're very different. I live in New York myself. Um, what uh, for the time that you were sort of coaching uh, or, or doing a lot of what you're doing right now, um, have you found that kind of the Muslim community in different parts of the country are are or is a kind of as a different character or more receptive to what you're what you're coaching or not so much? I feel like um, I I can I can speak well to the immigrant Muslim experience, and I feel like what I've observed in all the three places that I've lived um, is that it's it's very similar. 
it's very similar. And so across the U.S., I, you know, my my following, my customer base is largely U.S., but then I have a lot of U.K., Australia, um, even the Middle East a little bit, you know, the UAE. Um, but for the United States and for, um, you know, for London, Europe, the immigrant experience is very similar. Do you do you find that kind of the the coaching needs or you know the development needs of the of the people you interact with in the West are different than the ones who are based in Muslim countries? Um, well, the, the ones who tend to be my customers kind of have that similar mentality. I mean, it's probably why they're connecting with me or attracted to my work. Um, so I'm not sure. I pro probably there is, you know, a, a large part of people who are in Muslim countries who have, you know, a different view and a different thing. I don't know what that is. And so I don't speak to it. And so then I don't hear back from those types of people. But for people who are, for people who end up connecting with me are that they grew up learning about Islam, their family, you know, for, you know, to whatever varying degree was connected to the Muslim community. They may not have been their parents have may not been the most practicing and they themselves may not have been the most practicing um, or are not the most practicing now, but they feel that connection to the Muslim community and they have absorbed the understanding of God from that Muslim community, even if they're like, I don't really practice that just that the way their mindset is about how who God is and their mindset is about who they are um, is that kind of Muslim mentality that I speak to, which is to be very clear on what the mindset is. The mindset is that God is up there. The angels are writing your book of deeds, judging you, looking at you harshly. Okay, you didn't pray Fredger and you were rude to your mom and you didn't do this and that. Right. So it's this mentality that God is harsh and judging. And it's the mentality that I am not good. I'm not flawed because I can't wake up for Fredger. And it's so hard for me to follow these rules or I'm trying my best, you know, to to help my sister and to help my friends and whatever. But like, I feel so resentful and I'm getting jealous. But is that bad that I feel jealous, but I'm still doing the good actions? So it's like this whole kind of tension within a person of like performing the religion, but then feeling like it's never good enough or inside because I actually am bitter and resentful and jealous of all these people. Does that negate the good that I'm doing? So those people, <laughs> if that's you. Come work with me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that. Those are kind of thoughts or sentiments or feelings that a lot of a lot of us can relate to, right? We've all had at some point or the other. Um, you know, along those lines, Zara, uh, this the you know the work you do and the and sort of the coaching and the guidance you give is is very impactful. I mean, just even in this conversation, it's been great. I would imagine that you you know for a lot of the people who who you know whose paths cross with you. Like you have a massive impact on on their lives, um, without naming names, obviously, because we want to protect all confidentiality. But can you can you give a couple of examples of people who've come to you and they've been you know in a bad place, and then afterwards they were like, "Wow, now I'm here, or now I'm this, and this is how it changed me." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've had people come to me like, you know, Zahra, I've been Muslim by name. Like I've just, you know, because I was born Muslim, but I don't believe or practice or do anything and like you have renewed my connection with God and I feel better and I can say that I'm a Muslim and I and I mean it and you know I mean that's incredible I have had people who are 
um, coaching, you know, for a specific thing, single women wanting to get married. And I've been looking for 15 years. I mean, I had a woman message me. She's like, I've been searching to get married and looking to get married for 15 years. I did one of your coaching pro programs. It's called um, Get Married This Year. And she's like, 11 months later, I'm getting married. <laughs> she's like, remove me from your, from your email list. <laughs> I'm like, okay, beautiful. Because basically the the you know other people my husband coaches a lot around success and so people um this one guy stands out to me because he was like if you're familiar with academia you can become like a postdoc which is like you know a ta kind of assistant professor but he had like some title that was like lower than assistant professor but he should have just been an assistant professor. So he had this weird title and he's like, they don't appreciate me. They gave me this lowly title. Like I, sh you know, not only should I be, I like, I should be on my way to be on tenure track. Why am I not on a tenure track path? Why am I on this weird thing? And he worked with my husband and um, I think it was in four months, he got three promotions. So it was just like this transformation in his life of, it. it is very powerful because we don't appreciate especially in the modern world and especially with, you know, YouTube where you can look up how to anything and you can see what people are doing on Instagram and you can kind of guess at what they are doing. We can get really fixated on what people are doing. They're doing this. They're posting like this. They sent out these many resumes. They, you know, they're, you know, for fitness or for food, they're eating this and cooking it like this. But you don't know what people are thinking and feeling and believing. And that literally makes all the difference. I'm sure you know people in your life who are like amazing cook or amazing writer or amazing this on par with the people with huge followings, but they don't have the, you know, the awards, the accolades, the followings, the money, the, all of the things. And the only different, right? It's not the skill or the talent or the effort or the hard work. It's the internal state. It's the beliefs and thoughts and mindset. And so what I'm bringing to the Muslim community is like, we are, we are, we're a community of talented, hardworking, amazing individuals without, you know, without all the things to show for it, mostly because we think God is punishing us and we don't think we're good enough. And if we switch that, we can, you know, shine outwardly and and benefit from all the good that we have within ourselves and the community. That's that's incredible and and so spot on. Um, and you're right. I mean, the 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 answer to it is all in our religion as well, right? You just have to connect with it the right way. Um, and it's great that you're kind of helping people get to that place. Um, so there's, you know, there's a different kind of advice that we'd like to get from you, uh, which is, you know, we, we are, we are uh, a halal food, um, you know, uh, directory, website, destination, content uh, place. And, you know, we uh, we we love to uh, celebrate inspiring Muslims from all walks of life, um, but we also make sure we talk to them all about food. Uh, so uh, you're you know born and raised SoCal, uh, you know a little bit of a stint in Minneapolis, New York, and back. What are some of your top halal spots, like go to eating places, uh, anywhere you know either in SoCal, right, which you probably know more. Uh, or anywhere else. So what, what what are the joints you like and and why? What do you like about it? Yeah. So um, one place I love is called Ma's House Chinese Islamic Restaurant. And um, I didn't always used to eat halal, but once I started eating halal or zabiha, 
um, and I went to this Chinese restaurant, I was like just blown away. Like it's more flavorful and so juicy and just so delicious. And to know that it's like, you know, these Chinese Muslims like cooking you this halal Chinese food. It is so delicious. I'm kind of really far away from it from now. But um, whenever I'm in the Anaheim area, I love to go to it. So that's um, one. But I've also changed my eating style. Um, I'm I'm eating more spiritually and mindfully and trying to eat less processed foods. So I don't know if I'd actually eat that many noodles anymore. But if you love Chinese food, that's the place to go. Then um, I recently just went for our 15 year anniversary to a place in West Hollywood called uh, Casablanca Moroccan Kitchens. And my husband is Algerian. So this place had a delicious tagine, which um, is totally in line with the way that I eat now. The chicken was like fall off the bone, um, you know, tender and the couscous was good. And of course, since my husband is Algerian, we are, you know, we were kind of snobby about couscous and it was really good. <laughs> um, yeah. And the same thing is just, oh, this place had a, an amazing vibe. When you go in, it has like this mostly outdoor backyard patio area. And it just like gives you those Moroccan vibes. So it was also a great ambiance. And then finally, I would point out one that's from Minneapolis. My parents are from Kenya and there's such a huge Somali population um, in Minneapolis. And so it's so great to have so many different, um, uh, to, to just have access to more African food. And there is uh, this place called Afrodeli in Minneapolis. I believe he has two or three locations now. Um, and he makes this chapati burrito. And chapati is a uh, Kenyan, Somali, um, African flatbread um, and he, you know, makes it into a burrito and I, and I love Mexican food. So it's this beautiful marriage of, you know, African food with like, you know, inspired in a kind of a Mexican twist, um, in a modern way. And it's called Afro Deli and I love it. Those are, they all sound like amazing picks and, and, and shall, I can't wait to try them all. The, the, the SoCal ones will be easier cause I come there more often, but when I go to Minneapolis next, I'll hit up Afro Deli as well. Um, so, so the last question for you, Zara. Uh, we're all about sort of the Muslim community celebrating and supporting the the Muslim community in the West. So uh, along those lines, we always like to la ask, you know, our guests, who are some other Muslims in the in the West from any walk of life and from any, you know, doing anything, right? Uh, don't necessarily need to be like famous athletes, although they could be. Um, uh, who are some Muslims that in the West that you ad admire or find inspiring? Yeah, well... Um... Three come to mind right away. They were my roommates while I was in law school. Um, one is Tahani Abushi, and she's an attorney now working in Manhattan. And she ran for the district attorney of Manhattan um, a couple years ago and ran a fabulous, amazing campaign. She didn't win, but it was such a beautiful campaign to see. Um, my other roommate, her name is Sajda Nuruddin, and um, she has is working with a friend and put together like a whole science-based curriculum um, for, you know, for, for parents to support their children. And it's just such a well done and designed um, program to support your kids. And then my final roommate, Miriam Jukaku, um, she now lives up north um, near San Francisco and they have a homeschooling co-op, which she basically established and created and runs and it's 
such a phenomenal learning environment. Every time I'm, she tells me about it, I'm like, I need to move up there so my kids can go to school there. Like, it's just an incredible indoor, outdoor, you know, woodwork, all of the things um, that she's created. So my three roommates are pretty amazing. I would also say my current roommate, my husband, is incredible. He works with me as a coach. Um, so I'll 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 make it a roommate theme. <laughs> Good call on naming your husband at the end. That's that very, <laughs> very, very, very well done. But that sounds like a very power law school rooming group. Uh, like in, incredible how how everyone's doing such amazing things now. Yes, yes, they were. So Tahani was in law school with me, and then uh, Sajda was uh, an engineer, and then Miriam was a journalist um, student, and knew how she was in Newhouse Journalism, top journalism school in the country. Did amazing work there, and then transitioned to creating a home homeschooling uh, co-op. It's amazing. Uh, well, Zara, uh, I can't thank you enough for the the time that you spent with us today, and the insights, uh, and and all the all the sort of great wisdom you've imparted for our audience. Uh, thank you again for joining us, and you know, hopefully, we'll have you uh, back again uh, on our podcast again soon, shall. Inshallah, this was wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Halal Run is the number one guide to halal eating options in the US, Canada, and the UK. Featuring over 17,000 listings in over 2,500 cities. You can find us on our website at halalrun.com or on all our socials where everywhere we are at Halal Run. If you enjoyed today's episode and got value from it, make sure to hit that subscribe button so we can bring you more content just like it. We are here to serve you.